Good morning. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Uh, it's welcome you all here this morning, on this beautiful Lord's Day, and uh, together to worship the Lord and to uh, sing praises to His name and to look into His Word a little bit. And again, Happy Father's Day to one and all. And uh, as you know, we're continuing through the Book of Mark. This morning we'll be looking at the Mark chapter seven. And if you want to turn in your Bibles there, we'll be talking of Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Short passage, Mark 7, verses 24 through 30. And if you happen to have an extra bookmark with you, you might want to place it in Matthew chapter 15. And we'll be looking at a few of the verses there, verses 21 through 28. Uh, It's a parallel passage, and it will help us fill in with some of the uh, details as we go through the uh, story here. And doing the study here, I've discovered there's a multitude of different titles to this section of Scripture. From the simple of the Syrophoenician woman, and it gets a little more complicated from there, the Syrophoenician's daughter is healed. Another title was the cure of the Syrophoenician's woman's daughter. And the one that I think best describes how we're going to look at the passage today will be Jesus honors the Syrophoenician woman's faith. And again, I'll be reading from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having left. Let's open in prayer again. Father, as we look into your word, we ask that you give us open minds and fertile hearts to receive clear insight from your word today, Father. May this time be a time of edification and encouragement from you. And Jesus, as you have prayed for us, when you prayed to the Father by asking, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Sanctify us today, Father, through the truth, through your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we break this passage down, starting in verse 24, as Jesus got up and went away from there into the region of Tyre. And when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. Now Jesus got up and went away from there. Now where's the there? Now Jesus here leaves the area of Galilee. He's going to a vicinity in the area of Tyre, often sometimes mentioned in connection with Sidon. This area here 
It's, Tyre is actually a Phoenician city in an area on the Mediterranean coast there. It's northwest of Galilee. Now taken together, Tyre and Sidon distance-wise is about 20 miles and they sometimes refer to this region as Phoenicia. This now is modern-day Lebanon. It's a Gentile territory. It's not part of Israel at all. And we must remember now, Mark here is writing in this gospel to a, a, a Roman audience, a Gentile audience, and it's, it's important that he actually included this event in his writings. Now, even in this Gentile area, Jesus' fame was evident. He could not walk around without being noticed. As mentioned when we covered part of chapter 3, the crowd that followed Jesus during his Galilean ministry was inclusive of those that came from the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, as it's indicated in Mark chapter 3, verse 8. Continuing verse 24, he said, And he entered the house, he wanted no one to know of it. It appears here that Jesus was seeking a period of rest, away from the crowds, away from the Jewish leaders of Galilee, who were actually looking to try to kill him. Perhaps he wanted to take a time out to teach his disciples or to prepare his disciples for upcoming events, maybe his upcoming crucifixion or their upcoming ministry that they would be uh, going on. But he did not come to this area to do public ministry. Yet he could not escape notice, the scriptures tell us. His fame followed him. Verse 25 says, But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now this woman, after hearing of him, she found out that he was in this area, maybe nearby to her, perhaps very close. She must have heard of Jesus' mighty acts. She might have even seen it if she traveled down to the area of Galilee where he's performing them, and maybe she saw something going on there. But she knew of his power and immediately comes to Jesus and falls at his feet. She falls at his feet in humble adoration and reverence. Now remember, when Jesus was ministering in Galilee and Judea, he went about healing and doing many miraculous deeds and signs, but almost exclusively for the Jewish people. And this fact is important as we look at this event today. Now the woman was a Gentile, tells us in verse 26, of the Syrophoenician race. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now first off, this is a woman. She's not named. She reigns nameless here. But she approaches this Jewish male, meaning Jesus, a Jewish teacher, a rabbi, and on top of that, she's a Gentile. Remember the woman at the well? When Jesus asked for a drink of water, she was a Samaritan, that woman. She was of, of a mixed Jewish descent. And she says to Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew, ask of me a drink since I am a Samaritan. For the Jews had no dealing with the Samaritans. Now this woman that's approaching Jesus now, she's a full-blown Gentile. Not at all Jewish. 
She was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. Now again, that, that area that, that Tyre and Sidon in at this time was, uh, was actually owned and occupied by Syria. So it talks us about it being a Syrophoenician race. But in Matthew, tw- Matthew chapter 15, verses 22, it adds a little bit to her descriptive heritage, a little more than we have here in Mark. It says that she was a descendant of the Canaanites. Now think back on your Old Testament history a little bit. The Canaanites, an ungodly, idolatrous race, and basically ancient enemies of the Jewish people. No self-respecting rabbi would have entertained a conversation with a woman with this background. But Jesus did. And what do we see this woman doing here? She's asking something of Jesus. She kept asking him. She asked him and asked him and asked him and kept on asking him. She keep, kept on asking Jesus. If you go back and remember the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 7, we're instructed there to ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be added unto you, opened unto you. The term of the verbs there for ask and seek and knock are what they call a present imperative, which means to ask, but keep on asking. Not, uh, to seek and to keep on seeking. To knock and to keep on knocking. In other words, keep on doing it. Don't stop. This is exactly what the woman was doing here at Jesus' feet. She was asking, and she kept on asking and asking and asking. She was not giving up. Why? Well, think about it. She had a very serious problem. Her daughter was possessed by a demon. My brother Mark Harrigan spoke two weeks ago on the storms of life that confront us. And one of the parts of chapter uh, 5 of Mark that he used was Jesus calming, first calming the, the waters on the Sea of Galilee. Then he continues on that Jesus confronted a man that was possessed by many demons called Legion. Here again, we're seeing a record of a demonic possession. Now, in, in this modern, scientific, and educated, and sophisticated age that we live in, if you believe there are demons, people tend to think you have a few marbles loose, maybe ignorant or uneducated. Let me assure you that the fallen angels, these demons, are operating at full throttle in the world today with Satan at the helm. If you don't think about it, look at the headlines of the newspapers. Look at your media on your TV now. The world's gone mad. It's crazy out there. These demons are real and they're frantically working overtime knowing that the time is short. By not talking about them or ignoring them or not believing in their existence does not make them any less real. They existed in Jesus' time. They exist in the world today. Jesus believed in their existence and confronted many of them. 
So rest assured, you and I better realize that they're real and be prepared ourselves. So she's asking Jesus, keeps asking him to cast this demon out of her daughter. Now, we don't have any details about this woman's home situation, what her home life was like. We're pretty sure that she loved her daughter, otherwise she wouldn't have traveled here to, to see Jesus. And again, looking what she's doing, pleading and pleading and pleading at Jesus' feet, repeatedly asking for his help. Living with a child that was demon-possessed must have been horrendous. Must have been unbearable. Can you imagine what the home life was like? Can you imagine having dem dem uh, demonic power in your house where you live? And worse yet, within a child that you love. Horrible. How would it make you feel? What would it make you do? How can you live like that? In Matthew's account of this incident, in Matthew 15, 22, the mother began to cry, saying to Jesus, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. She's begging for mercy. Does it sound familiar, that phrase? Luke chapter 18, verse 13. It's the very same kind of words that are used from the tax collector, the publican. When he's praying, he would not even so much as lift his eyes to heaven, but beat on his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here again, we have a very passionate cry of mercy illustrated. She began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Now, Matthew's the one that records here that she calls Jesus... Lord, son of David, even though she was a Gentile. She understood who Jesus was, and she went to him and asked mercy of him. In Matthew fifteen twenty three, it states this, But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him by saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. You stop and think, why didn't Jesus answer her request right away? Why did he wait? This would have stopped her from bothering them. Would have made the disciples probably happy at that point. Why did he let this manifestation of her continuing begging and asking go on for some time? I think Jesus here was putting on display the perseverance of true faith. The perseverance of true faith of a Gentile woman. See, Jesus hears her continual crying of this woman. He knows it's irritating his disciples. He knows this woman has confessed who he is, being Lord and, and Son of David. He, he knows that the display is on faith in front of him, this true faith is in front of him. And he knows what he's going to do shortly. But he does not answer her at first, but directs a response to what the disciples just said. He responds to the disciples' words about sending her away with words and 
of Matthew 15, 24. But he answers and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus' initial mission was to the Jewish people. John 1.11 states, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, this comment that he made to his disciples, that I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, was no doubt heard by this woman. The statement must have put this woman's faith to gr a great test. Think what he just said. But these words did not discourage her. In fact, in Matthew 15, 25, it says, the woman bowed down. In other words, she's worshiping him at this point. And after this statement that Jesus says, she says, Lord, help me. At this point, Jesus now addresses the woman. Back to Mark 7, verses 27. And he says to her now, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Let the children be satisfied first. Jesus here is using an illustration of a dinner meal being prepared for the children of the household. It says, and that should not be given to the pet in the house first, to the dog first. And where Jesus is saying first, his, his, his mission, his responsibility was to preach the gospel to the children of Israel. But this also implies that there'd be a second maybe, that there'd be a time coming later on when the Gentiles would have the chance to receive the gospel preached unto them. And we clearly see this when Great commissions given out to go into all the world. And the book of Acts goes on to show that the gospel went into all the world. And as a side note here, the, the, the word that's used for dogs where Jesus is talking and where this woman is talking is actually referring to like a, a beloved household pet. One that would be in the house where crumbs would fall from the table too. Not what the Jews would have called the Gentiles as being dogs, as mongrels or scavenger animals that was running loose. So there's a distinction between the words. And we see here that sh this woman realizes now, and she might have before, but as she realizes in, that the primary intent for the gospel going out at this time was not to the Gentiles. It was to the Jewish people. But look at her faith-filled response to this. She continues using Jesus' analogy. Verse 28 says, But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Yes, Lord. This woman is in full agreement with Jesus' statement. She says, Yes, Lord, or this is true, Lord. She was not offended by this. She was not discouraged by these words of Jesus, but realized her position and her unworthiness. And she accepts this position as a Gentile and likened it unto the, 
dog under the table. She's begging for just a crumb or two, that which would fall from the table onto the floor. This would be enough. Just a crumb of Jesus' healing power would take care of and heal her daughter. Matthew 15, 28, Jesus expresses the quantity and the quality of her faith. Jesus said to her at this point, he says, O woman, your faith is great. Now, now remember this woman's background. She came from an idolatrous heritage and culture. They were idol worshipers. She was a Gentile. She probably had no knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures or the sacrificial system or even the coming Messiah. She did not know a lot. But she knew enough to know who to go to for help. She turned from her past, cried out to mercy, for mercy, to Jesus. And Jesus says to her, O woman, your faith is great. What a sharp contrast to the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees of the day who had the scriptures, who had the prophets, who had the phys physical uh, descendants, being physical descendants of Abraham and also the witness of miracles that Jesus did in Galilee and Judea. What a contrast between the two. Verse 29 says, And he says to her, Because of this answer, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Jesus put her great faith, her great Gentile faith on display. This no doubt strengthened her faith. Jesus was pleased and complimented her on this faith. And who is he doing this in front of? This all happened in front of the disciples who at first wanted to send this woman away because of the noise she was making. This incident accomplished the reason for leaving Galilee and going to a Gentile reg region for rest and to teach the disciples. This meeting with a Gentile woman provided the twelve with a vivid example of what true faith was and to whom the message should go, to the Gentiles also. Verse 29 goes on to say, And the demon has gone out of your daughter. Jesus did not leave to go to the woman's house. He did not need to sprinkle water on her. He did not need to put salve on her. He did not even need to be told where the daughter was. He knew where she was. He knew her her condition. This healing occurred from a distance. He never saw the child as far as we know. What an illustration of God the Son, the all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent power of God. Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter and it was gone. Matthew states, and her daughter was healed at once. Verse 30 says, and going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. 
This woman goes back home and what does she find? The child laying on the bed. Now we don't know what time of day this was. But I would guess she was traveling. She probably traveled in the daytime. I would think so. And if she didn't run home from this incident, I'm sure she walked pretty fast. And she finds the child lying on the bed. The child was at rest, at peace, a tranquil atmosphere now. The child laying on the bed. The demons have left. There is now peace, both within the child and within the home, within the household. Can you imagine how this Gentile woman must have felt? She must have been overwhelmed with joy and thanksgiving, praising God for what he's just done. She had just met and experienced Jesus, Lord, Son of David, through faith. Praise God for what a great example of faith this is. And what can we take away from this? What lessons can we learn and apply to our lives here? I have a few things listed, so bear with me. Number one, do we know who to go to? It doesn't matter how much we know about him, but do we know enough to go to him? How do we go to him? How close do we draw near to him? How do we approach him? Do we fall at his feet in reverence and humility? Do we go there first or do we try in our own strength to take care of the problems or the situation at hand? Jesus is waiting. Jesus is near. Number two, bring, bring to Jesus all of our problems, the big ones like this woman had, and all, small ones and all of them. Bow down and worship. Cry out for mercy. His mercies are endless. They endure forever. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. Psalm 145.8 The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. Psalm 119, 156 states, Great are your mercies, O Lord. We're encouraged and instructed in 1 Peter 5, 7 to cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Number three here I have, don't give up. Persevere. Ask and keep asking and ask and ask. We need to have a faith that perseveres. We need to have a prayer life that perseveres. And as in this case here, point four I have is abandon the idols in our lives, whatever they may be. Abandon the past, the past failures, our shortcomings. If it's sin, confess it. Ask forgiveness. Cry out for mercy. Ask yourself, is there something stopping you from doing this? Ask that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would give you the power to deal with it. Number five, re remember Jesus knows our condition. He knows our needs. He knows our trials before we even ask him. 
He knows what our needs are and when and where they need to be met. Remember, some of them are there to strengthen our faith. Be patient. Persevere. And last here, remember he also knows the conditions of the ones we love. Ask, keep asking, and asking, and asking. God is faithful and wants all to come to repentance and faith in him. He wants us all to be obedient to him as Lord. A few weeks ago I asked to pick out one person to pray for. My question to you today is, are you still praying for that one person that came to mind at that time? Are you praying for them faithfully? Praying for them daily? Keep praying and praying and praying. Don't give up. Persevere. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer here. Father, may we have such great faith as this woman. May we come and fall at your feet with our every need and persevere in prayer for the needs, the needs of this world, needs for others around us, Lord. Help us to react to this evil around us, Father, with love that can only come from you. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Help us not to grow weary in this task. We ask this in the all-powerful name of Jesus and for your glory, Father. Amen.